Welcome to Together We Rise, the podcast. I'm Maxine, your host, spiritual guide, healer, and intuitive. This is a place for deep interdimensional dives, unpacking our world systems, paradigms, and what it is that we each can be doing to start recreating them. Each episode, I'll be joined by changemakers from an array of backgrounds, ranging from holistic wellness to activism to human rights equality, medical freedom, spiritual teachers, conscious business, and everything in between. Because they all have one common intention, and that is to actualize humanity's potential to thrive. Today's guest is the beautiful Steph Lowe, whom some of you may know as the natural nutritionist. Her work is truly multifaceted and takes a wide lens of what it is to create true well-being. Through her pillars of health, happiness, and consciousness, she supports people all over the world toward true healing. Steph hosts the podcast Health, Happiness, and Humankind. She is a sort of meditation teacher, educator, and coach. Recently, she has also been a much-needed voice when it comes to the unfoldings of COVID-19, the jab, and what it is to create true wellness, which we'll be getting into in this episode. So without further ado, let's welcome her on. Welcome, Steph. I am really excited about this conversation today because I was just saying to you before we jumped on, we met a couple of years ago, randomly but not randomly, at Nat's um, book launch, and I've watched you the last year and a half, well, the last year, step up and speak to some things that not everyone has the stomach for. And, you know, I have done so with admiration and I know that you've got so much knowledge to share. And before we dive into that, though, I always love to give people an opportunity to speak a little bit from their own lens about what their medicine is for this world and what they're passionate about and what they're here for. So over to you. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. So... Yeah, things have evolved a lot in recent years. However, my main medicine is still recognizing the healing power of food. You know, it goes back decades ago now when I was a teenager and I had a very disordered relationship with food. And my mother took me to a dietitian because she was worried about the weight that I'd lost and the food that I had eliminated from my diet. And I still remember to this day sitting in the office thinking, how amazing this lady's job was. She gets to sit here and talk about food. And that certainly set the catalyst, although it took me a while to get there, having worked as more of a um, personal trainer, exercise physiologist, Pilates instructor before going back to study nutrition at a tertiary level. But it wasn't my personal experience that really inspired me to do that extra study because I wanted to have the formal qualifications to teach the world what I lived firsthand, mm. you know, really solving quite deep depression and disordered food relationship or a disordered food relationship with whole food, with moving away from what was low fat and what we thought was the way many decades ago. And, and unfortunately some people still do, but mm. that personal experience was the catalyst and the other side of it was that I know that a lot of my problems stemmed from having not yet identified my purpose. So I didn't wake up with any desire to create change and I wasn't inspired and I had too much time to think about, I don't know, my weight or what I was eating back then, which sounds so, you know, minute now when we know there's so much more to life. However, it was becoming a nutritionist and uncovering that purpose that really was the final piece of the puzzle to creating optimal health. Mm. 
Mm. And now I get to wake up each day and call this a job. And <laughs> as cliche as it sounds, I'm very blessed and love what I do. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share this with your listeners today. Mm, yeah. And I feel it's so important for people to also hear those that are living their purpose and that have followed that mm. call because sometimes when you're in that place and I feel like right now, a lot of people are transitioning, you know, they're, they're being drawn into different directions. What once fit doesn't fit now. And it's important to hear those that are in a place where even amongst all of the things that are happening, they're still able to ground and anchor into what am I here to do in terms of service. So thank you for sharing. Um, I guess we're going to just dive straight in. <laughs> oh dear. Strap in everybody. <laughs> because... Mm. Yeah, there's no point in dancing around where we're at right now. Um, I, you know, for those of us that are here in Australia, we've just just started with the vaccine rollout. And there's a lot that you've been sharing about that. And there are a couple of layers to that that I would like to get you to elaborate on if you're okay with that. And the first one would be from where you're sitting right now, what is it that you feel is most important for people to know if they're not certain as to whether this is the right choice for them or not and they're kind of leaning towards potentially getting it without knowing fully you know the implications of that what would you be saying to people that are like yeah i don't really know or even those that are no what is it that they still need to know because i feel like we need to make an informed choice if we're saying no yeah. Just as a caveat, I do want to be clear that I respect people's decision because it is a really unique decision and there are many factors involved. Mm. However, I think the problem that I have at the moment is as a general rule, we've been really trusting of our main sources of information, which have largely been very few people. And we know who runs the media and the influence of the pharmaceutical industry and What's happening, I think, with social media is we have access to so much more information, which is mostly really powerful because we are now seeing the other side to the story. It's always been there, but we've got access to this information maybe for the first time for some people. And that is what is confusing the message because we are hearing, we are hearing two opposing views. So when we look at, say, 2020 and how this vaccine is now literally being rolled out as we speak. One of the main arguments around this is that it's quote unquote rushed. Mm -hmm. And so the people that are a little bit concerned are um, understandably saying, you know, I'm concerned because it's rushed. And then the opposite side of the coin and I've heard this come out of people's mouths saying, you know, the only reason why it's ready is because we've had this worldwide collaboration of resources and, and money and experts and labs like never before. And that is true. Mm -hmm. That is true. However, you cannot rush long-term safety data. The mm -hmm. only thing that provides long-term safety data is time. So I agree that it's possible to have a vaccine developed in a year because the technology has been there anyway, right? We were looking at mRNA back in the 20, um, 2003 SARS outbreak mm -hmm. and it's been looked at more closely in cancer and um, other um, areas of health. So I agree that it's possible to have the vaccine ready in a year. That is all true. However, my concern and what I want people to be aware of to answer your question is 
that we don't have any long-term safety data. Mm-hmm. So we, when we hear on the news or when we read Greg Hunt telling us that it's safe, that's actually not true because we don't know that yet. Mm-hmm. We can't say that it's safe when, when it, the clinical trial is still running until at least 2023, this is Pfizer, the mRNA vaccine, which is being administered to most of Australians. Clinical trial's not finished. Mm-hmm. The data's not peer-reviewed. And enough time has not passed to be confident that it's actually safe. So that's one of my major concerns. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like that that is such an important one to drive home because I also feel like there are a lot of people that are just done and they're like, let's just get it over with. You know, that's not necessarily those that are listening to this, but I feel like those that are listening know people in extension, be it family, friends, that may not be on the same page with them. And that's a tricky thing within itself because we're juggling not only the fact that this is our own health, but the health of those that we love and finding that middle ground. But um, something else that you've been talking about, and I guess obviously you're pregnant and you've got another little one and the fertility side of things and breastfeeding pregnancy when it comes to vaccinations. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Because yeah, I just for myself as well as a woman that potentially in the future would love to consider children. I just don't see how we can not have that addressed more deeply. And I know that you've got a lot of information around that. So can you speak on that a little? Yeah. So, and that's what I've been speaking about the most, literally living that experience right now, being 27 weeks pregnant at the time of recording and, you know, I've read the vaccine inserts in great detail. So I know what they say. I know that there is literally no data on either or any of the vaccines, but we're talking about two specifically for Australia. So Pfizer and AstraZeneca. Neither has been tested in pregnancy or breastfeeding and both have unknown effects in fertility. And you, you can access this information online. Online, It's on the TGA, so we can read it. I've copied it verbatim to put on my Instagram. You know, it's, it's not my work. It's literally word for word. And then the very next day, we see the health minister telling us it's safe for hmm. pregnant women. And it, that, that is not true, just like I said before. It's not true and it, it is misleading and it's bothering me because those that perhaps only access their information via those channels like news.com where we're publishing these articles and Greg Hunt is speaking to it almost daily at the moment, they'll think it's safe mm-hmm. because they're, they're quite trusting. Mm-hmm. Yet we have another story that we need to make sure everyone's hearing And I probably sound like a broken record on Instagram because it's happening so often, but I'm just determined to make sure as many women and in that fertility conversation, men, so all of us Mm. of a certain age um, know this information Mm -hmm. because even last week we had the Australian Breastfeeding Association posting photos like of two women breastfeeding saying it's safe and we've got midwives with the following that I've heard about that have been posting very similar content. I can't help but feel like this is the influencer of 2021. You know, people, I can't help but feel like there has to be some kind of funding or payment to see 
obstetricians and gynecologists in the USA promoting it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's disgusting. It's, it's way beyond what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be denying breastfeeding women. If they feel like the, the pros outweigh the cons mm-hmm. and it's their choice, then great. That's your choice. So I'm not saying deny it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what might've started this. Yep. However, I'm, I'm asking for transparency Mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm asking us to stop misleading the population that we're talking about. Mm. Yeah, and it's bringing it back to self and self-education because I feel like that what you were saying before about that trusting an external source and just going, oh, well, they've got our best interest at heart. There's also so many underlying factors. And again, I know that the people listening have a level of awareness around these sorts of things, but where the money goes, we've got to keep that in mind as well. We can't just let the idea of a solution (laughs) outside of ourselves again be the thing that makes us make a decision without actually knowing what's going on and that's why i feel like these conversations are important even though they may feel like broken records for those of us that are having them and for you constantly having to create or constantly feeling like content needs to be created around it but repetition is also what teaches us <laughs> sometimes it does like we hear the same message over and over until it lands and um i guess then within all of that exercising your right to speak and express what it is that you want and especially when it comes to i guess medical choices and you know i'm not a mother so i can't speak to that but i know those that have gone through that birthing process and you know, even just pregnancy and the ways that they feel disempowered to be able to say no to things that are supposed to be normal and, you know, accepted as the way that we create health. And what would you say to those that are in positions with children or young families that will have to potentially make this call and being able to stand true in themselves and not feeling like they have to conform because someone outside of them says so, um, and they might not have built the fortitude to be able to stand up and go, Hey, no. Yeah. Now's the time, honestly, because there are so many examples that I can think of preconception, pregnancy, birth, new motherhood or new parenthood. I can think of so many examples where we can be too trusting. Mm. And I, I honestly think that the, you know, the education element that you mentioned is critical as is learning to advocate for yourself. So one of the sort of dialogues I'm having quite commonly by my direct messages on Instagram is I tried to speak to my doctor about this and they just spoke down to me or they told me that it wasn't diagnostic or they told me it was safe, whatever the example might be. And I said, we'll get another doctor. Mm. Honestly, if, if your doctor's not open to listening to your concerns about the oral glucose tolerance test, your concerns about vitamin K at birth, your concerns about this vaccine without long-term safety data, they are not the person to have on your team. Like you're hiring your doctor, really. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately in Australia at least, they have doctors and anyone registered under APRA have their hands tied to a degree. I know this all, all too well being obviously heavily involved, but also married to a chiropractor. Yeah. Um, 
However, there are amazing doctors that do exist. And I've had also some incredible conversations equally about doctors or with doctors and nurses who share my concerns. So we just need to advocate for ourselves, but we do need to find our people. We need to find our people because our concerns are valid. All of those concerns I mentioned, and especially now with, oh my gosh, I can only, I'm not religious, but I can only pray that the vaccine doesn't work in children because I can't imagine what we're all going to be faced with if it is proposed to go on the schedule. Mm. But it's something we have to consider as parents because they're already starting the trials, right? So time will tell. However, advocating for ourselves and making sure that we're really well educated and that we know where our sources are coming from, obviously, is is the best thing that we can be doing right now. And I think that's what people are doing. Like 2020 for me had so many silver linings. I definitely appreciate that it was a really hard year for some of us. However, I like to look at the silver linings and the awareness and the understanding of, you know, sourcing our information wisely and asking for the sources and looking for the alternate view. To me, I've never seen anything like it and it's continuing in 2021 and I'm, I'm sure it will continue. Hmm. Yeah, it's the people power, hey. <laughs> and we are the ones that have to create the change. And that's a conversation that I'm having regularly. You know, it's like we all have a role to play, but it's, you've got to, you've, and what you were saying about self-advocacy and that we've got to step up like that, but it's not for someone outside of us to save us, right? Like we, mm-hmm. this is just one small part of a way larger systemic issue, which we're not going to get into in this particular conversation, but Mm. this is just, yeah, an amplified version of what's been playing out all along. And it's us not taking ownership and responsibility for our lives, for our health, for our well-being. And I mean, I'm sure you see that with nutrition and then being able to show people and guide them what is possible when they start nourishing their body appropriately and, you know, tuning into how do I actually nurture and look after myself? what that does in terms of their own well-being and their own re-empowerment. Something that I would like to shift gears a little bit on, but um, given that we're going to be moving into the cooler months and I know that they're going to take advantage of that with, you know, people are getting unwell, cold and flu season, all this sort of thing. In terms of nutrition, what can people be doing Mm. right now to start supporting their health and their bodies? Perhaps maybe three things that you would encourage everyone to start doing now to prepare for because uh, I feel like again you know and I, I'm sure this is something that you're big on the prevention <laughs> rather than waiting till something happens what are some things people yeah we, t- we yeah absolutely it's a proactive approach so I mean keeping it quite specific to the earlier part of this conversation if we look at the scientific literature what's pretty very well accepted shall I say was is vitamin c zinc and vitamin d So these are the key nutrients that have a huge role in um, supporting the immune system. And I'll start with vitamin D because it's quite relevant, well, very relevant seasonally. So of course, as a nutritionist, I'd like to highlight the foods that we can consume vitamin D from. Um, This will depend on dietary preferences, of course, but um, of course, eggs and fatty fish and mushrooms and cod liver and things like that. However, it is largely a hormone produced from the sun. So naturally we see deficiencies 
in in lockdown and winter and winter plus lockdown and we will start to see that again as we move into the next season so having some awareness around that is really important because the research around um low vitamin d increasing perhaps even doubling your risk of a severe case of COVID or hospitalization was made quite clear in in 2020 so um there's no surprises why we did see such a negative effect in winter in australia and then what's been going on more recently on the other side of the globe in their winter. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really aware, really aware of that as we move into winter again here in Australia. So one of the things that we can do now is making sure that we do have optimal levels of vitamin D by consuming those foods that we mentioned and getting adequate sun exposure. It needs to be on bare skin between the hours of 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. So we're avoiding things like sunscreen for the first few moments, using non-tox after that. But, um, you know, how long you need depends on skin texture. So if you're quite fair or, or pale like I am, you don't need much at all because we're not getting burnt. Yeah. However, if you've got dark skin, if you're Indigenous, we're talking more like a half an hour or even more. Yeah. Um, so it's very relative. I think that's probably one of the most important things. I know some people don't like vitamin D supplementation. I get it. However, when you live in Victoria or when you live in parts of the world where it's very wintry, Mm -hmm. it's not possible to get it from the diet alone. So we may need to consider supplementation. Mm -hmm. Um, That I would always recommend coming off a blood test because your levels are about to more than likely going to be higher at the end of summer. Yeah. So I'm not going to get too prescriptive, but speak to your doctor about a vitamin D test and then you can look at if supplementation is required and if when as, yeah. as the seasons change. Vitamin C is a pretty easy one. Like if you follow a real food template, which is obviously what I'm here to promote, you know, in this lifetime by the natural nutritionist, it's, it's plants, it's, it's, you know, plant material, mm-hmm. really whether it's veggies or, or berries or kiwi fruit or broccoli or capsicum, it's just food with color it's really that cliche nutritionist eat the rainbow as much as we you know have a private joke about that my friends and i but it's a pretty simple template to apply to what your plate looks like Mm -hmm. lots of antioxidants but specifically vitamin c from those colorful foods and zinc we get zinc in plant-based options from dark leafy greens and pumpkin seeds then animal base we get it via you know oysters and other seafood and grass-fed beef and lamb. So it's, it's a whole food diet. It actually doesn't need to be overly complicated, but with a key focus on those key nutrients mm. and then time in nature to achieve your sunshine goals. Mm. Yeah, awesome. They're really practical things people can do. And sometimes it's, again, it's that repetition. It's the reminders as to, oh yeah, maybe I need to just really hone in on that a bit more because sometimes we know these things, right, but we're not necessarily applying mm. them fully. So I just wanted, go, mm. what were you going to say? No, no, we live in a we live in a quick fix society. We do. And so we largely forget to acknowledge the basics. As I always say, you don't build a house from the roof. So those basics need to be addressed. How many cups of vegetables are you having per day? Like always go back and check some of those foundations because there's not a there's not a magic pill. There's no. No. (laughs) Yep, that's the truth. And given that you were just talking about foundations, would you actually care to elaborate on that a little bit more? If there are some other things in terms of just lifestyle um, and nourishment, because I know that Mm. you take a very mind, body, spirit approach and, you know, maybe that's even something to just unpack a little bit more because, yes, you started in the nutrition sense and then you also had the background in movement and, you know, understanding how to look after the body physically, but you've also got quite an understanding of mindfulness and the importance of taking care of the 
non-physical parts of self and those foundations in terms of lifestyle I feel could be good to revisit for people right now too because that's going to give them the endurance for moving through mm. this passage of time. Yeah, I'll, I'll cover the um, sort of non-physical in a moment. I just wanted to add on the nutrition foundations. It might not feel foundational per se, depending on where we're all at in our journey. But if we look at the foundations of immune health, then we have to acknowledge the role of the microbiome where you know 80% of immune cells live. So we need to have a gut health focus, which starts with real food, which starts with plants, so fiber to feed your biome. So that's you know a, a key pillar. But having other practices to support your microbiome, whether that's via probiotic foods like sauerkraut or kimchi, it might be... Um, collagen or bone broth if you consume animal products it might be um, more vitamin c from the diet to produce your endogenous collagen you know it is just looking at what else we can do to look after our immune system right now and then non-physically it, it flows on because what's happening happening collectively is we're all very sympathetic dominant you know where we've gone through a huge shift in 2020 all of us in some way shape or form um, many of us are feeling quite overwhelmed by where things are currently at, too much time online and overconsumption of information, a nervous system that is just fried, you know, that sympathetic dominance, that overproduction of cortisol. Sadly, that suppresses our immune system, so it, it's going to make us more susceptible. Um, and I think it also naturally makes us more reactive in this time when um, it's already pretty heated. So we have to have some sort of a practice to bring us back out of that sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Might be yoga, might be meditation. Perhaps it's another version of that for you, beach walks, time in nature. We have to be doing something to nourish our nervous system mm -hmm. to modulate that cortisol, which then has that direct flow and effect to our robustness and our resilience right now. Mm. Yeah. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it is a, like the tension is so real. And I mean, mm -hmm. obviously married to a chiropractor, <laughs> that's another beautiful <laughs> way to downregulate yes, the nervous system. Of course. <laughs> if only I went, no, I'm, I'm getting much better at attending my sessions. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. Um, but it is, it is for a lot of people, something that they also forget about because especially when it comes to having to be active and participating in, you know, reclaiming our own sovereignty to an extent, it can become like this. We've got to just do that. And we forget about the fact that we also mm. have a body. We also have, you know, a soul that needs to be nourished. And yes, we can do that, but we've got to be able to come back home. And that was actually something I thought about before we jumped on because it's not an easy arena to play in. And even for those that have the foundations the way that you do, it still has its level of impact, you know, and perhaps if you're okay with that, just to share some of the things that you do for yourself that, you know, one or two things that help ground you and recenter you. I know that you said yoga, but are there anything mm. um, or is there anything in particular that you turn to when it's like, ah, oh, I just need to land back in my body? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one of my mentors said to me earlier today, um, in times of war, the soldier never sleeps. And I was like, that is rubbish. Like, I can't do this if I'm not looking after myself. There's not a chance I'd be able to be like, I guess the kind of activist that I am 
if I wasn't looking after myself, like I would be fall, I would already be falling apart. Like I would, I'd be in a heap. And I can see that happening to a lot of people who are already tapping out. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. I feel like doing that at times as well, to be completely honest. So yeah, we absolutely have to have self-care. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I mean, it is obviously nourishing my body with what I eat. And I, I, I do that without thinking now. That's just who I am and that's ingrained in me. Um, I have a meditation practice that has definitely slipped of late and, you know, feeling that, owning that, but really making sure that at least doing one session a day before I go to bed to allow me to switch off from what I've been doing. Mm. I'm tending to do a little bit more at the moment. I'm having a little bit of insomnia, whether that's hormonal pregnancy, COVID, I don't know. All of it combined. (laughs) I know, life. So that's sort of the next project to tackle that and Mm. do even more self-care. Some of it will be getting offline. We're going down the coast or up the coast this weekend. So I'll take a little bit of time off, spend some more time with the family, those sort of basics. But really it is, I think, just taking time to disconnect from the constant information. Uh It is because Mm. your brain just feels absolutely full at times. Mm -hmm. And so taking taking time out is really important. Yeah. And having the permission sometimes it's like you need to hear it again from other people to be like it's okay and this is a long-term game and something that you know I remember early last year when it all started happening I just kept getting this this message it was so strong it's like endurance you must look after yourself Mm -hmm. like there is no you know for what's ahead like in terms of actual change but all those, and again, all those that are listening, you're part of this. You have to have these foundations in place. There is no bypassing it because again, if our soldiers are all falling over (laughs) and Mm. we've got no one that can step in, then we've got an issue. But it's also, I guess, the last thing that I kind of want to touch on and that you said before about your people. And for you, you said family, but how important do you feel it is to have good community around you and, you know, calling in your people and having the courage as well to connect with other people? Mm. What would you say to that? Because I know that, yes, we have online spaces, but some people are still hesitant in reaching out and being like, yes, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I want to link forces. What would you be saying to people that are like, yeah. I want my people, but I'm still not confident in actually going for it? Yeah, it's tricky. Like, I want to hang out with my Instagram community. I wish I could do that in real life because it's not the same virtually, but I feel like I've found my people there. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's just so many amazing people that you get to connect with. So there's lots of silver linings. However, um, yeah, I know that lots of people can't for whatever reason, whether it's ARPA registration or family views or worry about judgment or what have you. I get messages every day with people saying, I don't know how you do it. I do, you do what you do. And that's not to blame my own trumpet, but it's just because I can understand that not everyone can. Mm. And so I do it for those that can't. Mm. However, there's something really special about finding your people in real life. And I, I need those people. Unfortunately, I don't live in the same state as them at the moment. So we have a lot of, you know, phone calls and things mm. like that, but having just recently moved to Tasmania, I'm sure I'll find my people here as well when I have some time to dedicate to that. But it is about 
some of it has to be about finding your voice and it doesn't need to be like how I use my voice or anything like that. We're not trying to replicate one another, but it can be really, really powerful when you find your voice and you're delivering it from a really positive space, not attacking or sledgehammering your opinion onto anyone else, but it's more about opening up a bit of a safe space because you'll probably be pleasantly surprised that you might find someone that has a similar view, Mm. but you have to be open to those conversations and also opening open to when it perhaps might be a a shut door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I think it's too important to stay silent completely on. You don't need to do it on social media and you don't need to, you know, scream from the rooftop, but I think now it's too important to be silent. Mm. Hmm. that's powerful it's too important to be Mm. silent we're in too important of a time we can't afford to sit back and wait for someone else to speak and even if it means that you know rejection is on the table we've got to be able to cop that on the chin because this Mm. is so much bigger than you know rejection this is our lives Mm. this is you know the future of our future (laughs) But I do like what you said about the endurance because I think sometimes I do carry on like it's going to um like it's just that little bit longer that I need to to do this, but it's not. You're right. Like we're here for the long haul in terms of I do think this is just the beginning mm. of the big shift or the change that's happening. And so we do have to pace ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I picture a lot of it does come back to self-care. Mm. Yeah. And I picture it like you were saying with the community side of things, it's like I see them, you know, all the light workers or light warriors or whatever, however you want to call them, you know, the people that are willing to step in and up for humanity. It's like we have the ability to tap each other in as well. It's like, okay, you need a rest. It's all right. Mm. There's a whole other group of us that can hold the fort whilst you go and recoup. And then it's like that relationship of also knowing that when we are, in unity as a community and we all have the same vision that we're moving toward. And that doesn't mean all our opinions need to be the same, but that we are able to hold the space for one another too. And I feel like that that is just, yeah, something that I would love for people to just know that there are many, many of us out here, even though we feel like the minority at times, but we're all contributing our little bit. And if you need support and if you need a little respite, that's okay. And tell your people, so, um, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to add anything further to that, but I do. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I do want to give you an opportunity. If you feel like there is anything that is left unsaid, anything that you would like to close with for people, what would you have to say? Mm. I think we have covered it today. I feel like the two most important things to keep working on is the education and the advocation so advocating for yourself and of course your family Mm. so you know with the education it can be hard at times because the internet is infinite (laughs) we can never consume all the information that exists so be mindful of your sources like what i did the other day was just with respect with love unfollowed a lot of accounts so i'm trying to get my follows down very low i don't really scroll often these days but um Still, it's about what you're exposed to. Mm. And then it's choosing your sources wisely. Mm. Um, Being really mindful of where you're getting your information from. 
and then just taking that some time to to find your voice like it, it might just be that you need like almost like a, a gentle elevator pitch to explain your point of view mm. because it, in the heat of the moment if you're not sort of yet well versed it can be confusing or you might not explain yourself appropriately or you might forget the research that you want to share so why not just think about how this makes you feel and whether it is the the long-term safety lack thereof or it's the breastfeeding or it's the whatever it is about this current issue that doesn't sit right with you just find a really gentle way to explain that to yourself and that might help you deliver it to someone else from a really great place that can open up a dialogue rather than create a headbutt because you're probably not going to change people's minds and you're definitely not going to change their mind if you come from a place of what feels like an attack. Mm. A little bit of a gentle elevator pitch per se of how you might explain yourself and just pause before you speak and consider how you want to deliver that information. Mm. Hopefully at times you'll be pleasantly surprised how it goes. Mm. I love that. That's so clever. And a little elevator pitch for yourself. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? If they potentially want to work with you, do you have any space available right now or how can they do that? Could you just share that for the people listening? Yes. So I do spend um, most of my time on Instagram at the moment. So in terms of online time, definitely come and check out The Natural Nutritionist. And then in terms of my company, The Natural Nutritionist, yeah, we work one-on-one with those looking to completely change the way they eat, but they might have more of a specific focus around improving their energy or their digestion or looking at their microbiome. I'm doing a lot of preconception and pregnancy and then postpartum work at the moment, as you can probably imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and myself or Ellie, who's an incredible practitioner that works with me, are available for virtual consults. There are some face-to-face available in Hampton in Victoria. Um, And you can find out more about that on thenaturalnutritionist.com.au. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so, so much for your time, your wisdom, your knowledge. Um, Yeah. Like I said in the beginning, I have so much admiration and appreciation for you and the voice that you are and I know that it is not without uh, its own challenges at times but you know you're making an impact and you're so needed and it's seen and it's received thank so you. thank you <laughs> thank you it is support like yours that makes it possible yeah. and I often say that to those that take the time to um, provide me with such nice feedback because it does get heavy at times and you know it is the support that is really just that whole collective. I can feel it. So I'm really grateful that you <laughs> feel the same. And thank you for having me on the show today. Now, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here with me and wanting to do your part in recreating the status quo. If you got something out of today's episode, I would love if you could leave me a review and forward this on to anyone that you feel would benefit or even share it on your socials. I just want to close by saying I appreciate you. And until next time, remember that together we truly do rise.